Alrighty, thanks everybody for listening to the Park Hills podcast. In this episode, Pastor Mark and I are going to dive into Colossians 2, 6 through 15. If you like this and some of the other things that we're doing, we'd love for you to go to parkhillschurch.com and just find whatever you can on that website. Get to know our church. You can stream us on Sundays as we keep trying to do church in the midst of a crazy 2020. So thanks for listening. Last week, Chris, remember, it kind of of ended toward that warning from Paul about the plausible arguments that can be drawing us in. I I just sense in Paul's writings just this just deep love for these new believers and this desire to to teach and to mentor them to maturity and faith and that's so cool and I think it's a great example for us as believers to always be saying okay who might be behind us on the trail so to speak that we can help uh, avoid some of the the pitfalls and the dangers that that come along in, in our Christian walk and and Paul clearly here is warning these new believers just. Just be cautious and be discerning as to what you hear. And what a relevant thought for us even today. Because he's saying, listen, see to it, no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. And again, that term, that, that term captive, really speaks to how he considers people who are drawn away, deceived by empty deceit and and, and philosophy and, and plausible arguments. And right. so I guess we can see it a little bit more when we think about this idea of what it means to be captive. It's it's to be caged up. You're, you're now caged by these ideas and beliefs. You're shackled or in handcuffs. And, and really, Paul keeps bringing truth to the light because it's truth that ha- that is the key to those locks. It sets people free. And that's the, like the beauty of the gospel is being set free from a hopelessness of being apart from Christ, being dead in sin, dead se- dead in sin, separated from, from God. And what's so cool here, what he's doing with that truth is he's just saying, listen, I want to free you from those deceptive ideas. You know, we and some other pastors, Chris, you know, recently uh, read a, a book about uh, the church and uh, political ideologies and how to navigate through that. And, and even something that was uh, said in, toward the end of that book was really significant to me, and that was to the unbeliever, the election of a president is the biggest thing. Right. Well, that then makes all the philosophies and ideologies that come out in an election ultra important and even uber important to the point where you will accept everything about that candidate um, because his uh, election or her election is so important to you. And I think that the truth, again, becomes no matter how we feel about things, and I don't mean to make it political, we always have to go back to the, the grounding truth that God is on the throne. He's the ultimate one. And, and, and that's what we see. That's, that you know relates to election times. But what we see what Paul doing here is always bringing back to the grounding truth. What are the things right. that you must hang on to? Because otherwise, the, the risk that you have is being drawn in by all these philosophies that sound really good. But what may happen is there's a, a faulty presupposition in that, where if that 
supposition was actually true, then the whole argument would be true. But Paul wants to give them all the truths so that you can even see where an idea begins to tilt off center and now ends up completely as a deceptive philosophy, a hollow thing that that then cages people up because they don't know the truth. And that's why we value teaching the word here so much, because you've got to know what the word says to not become a captive to nonsense, because that's ultimately what it is. It's nonsense. It's a lie of the enemy. You know, John 8 says our enemy is is the father of lies. Right. And, and, and we need to remember he's a good liar. That's why these people fell into Gnosticism and, and we're, we're starting to, anyway, in the culture, we're starting to go that way. And that's why Paul's warning here, he's going, listen, I know it sounds plausible or this sounds philosophically right. And that's what drives me crazy even during election, listening to some of the, the, the arguments that are presented. You go and you go and you sift back to the truth and you go, oh, my goodness, you know, truth has nothing to do with this. And, and I'm not partake, picking on one candidate or the other. There's just it's just a, there's a culture of, of dishonesty there. It's unfortunate. But he's saying something way more important here. It's this is life saving because right. understanding who Christ is and how to keep him center is everything here, isn't it? Yeah, and I think you you bring up a good thing. Not and again, not to be political, but let's just point out one thing that happens from time to time. For example, Christians are usually thrown into all we care about is being pro life, and we will accept everything else in the rest of the world, even a candidate's worst possible traits, just because that candidate's pro life. That's that's a fair assumption. That's a fair right. it's a fair argument. You know, it, you know, you kind of hinted at it, but pro-life is one aspect. Immigration is another, just like racism is another aspect that we as Christians should be grounded in many topics and all of them be gospel focused and gospel centered. And it should be okay for us to say, I support this candidate, but I do have issues with this, this, and this yep. about this candidate's life. Absolutely. And I'm talking about either one of the candidates or all of the candidates. I mean, d- just pick it. I-, I have never been so enamored with an individual in politics that I'm not willing to see their flaws. And unfortunately, one of the empty philosophies and, and empty deceits that our that our culture gives us is you should trust this person more than any other and, and they mm-hmm. are and that really gives them a messianic complex that makes them into something they're not supposed to be. So we hear things like this is God's man for the job or God sent this person to do this. Well God also sent Nebuchadnezzar to destroy Jerusalem because he was tired of Jerusalem. I mean, the Bible is pretty clear that God is behind all of the workings of the world. And even individuals who aren't honoring God with their life will be used by him to accomplish his purposes at the end. Even if they are completely diametrically opposed to what God's trying to do, God will still use those actions or those lifestyle things to accomplish his purposes. So, you know, you've got Joseph saying, Brothers, what you meant for evil, God chose to use for Mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. So I can say that I agree with a candidate for the most part, but I also should feel the freedom to say, but these are serious issues within this candidate's life or personal, you know, uh, meanderings of their mind that make me uncomfortable with this individual. And that doesn't mean that I've completely thrown them away. It just means that I've I've said, yeah, I see things logically and I'm, I'm rooted in the gospel, not rooted in a political ideology on either side. And so we're using that as an example, but I mean, it goes all over the place, right? There's empty deceit and empty philosophy is all over the place. And the only way that we're going to avoid diving in or being taken captive by one of those things is to make sure that we are rooted in the promises of scripture and 
focused on what the gospel is saying. That's important for us. Yeah, and I think it's important to, again, like we talked about in the last podcast, to, to differentiate between uh, some things that, that are a little bit more passion-based and, and even interest-based, where you can have some debatable discussions. I think the immigration is a, is a great debatable mm-hmm. discussion. Uh, some would say the idea of a wall is, is, is horrendous. I would, might argue say that's actually humane uh, because you're stopping people from taking the risk of dying in the journey or whatever, and you're not rewarding those who try to break the rules. Now, I don't. That, my goal is not to go into that, right. but other than to say, Paul's not talking about things that are debatable here. He, he's really talking about things that are just flat out wrong. He's going, you have to have an understanding of of Christ, and, and again, that whole we talked about it in the in the other sermons as well. That that whole physical nature of following after him. Him as well. I, I think what he's saying here about being buried in baptism here and raised with him through faith is cool, isn't it? Yeah, man. Maybe we'll do this next year when we do the Bible in a year, but baptism is a, is a concept that is all over in scripture. And we kind of brought it up a little bit with the Revelation podcast. Uh, Graham and I talked about it briefly. You know, Alex and I have talked about it a couple of times. You and I have talked about baptism a number of times. Just really quickly, the idea that someone passing through water is representative of them achieving new life, right? That's really the idea. So if you think about it, we're born, and when we are born, we are passing through water. Mm-hmm. It, born of water. Yeah, you're, I mean, that's that's how you're born. You, you have to leave a place that's full of water. You're passing with water into a place that has less water or no water, depending on how you want to look at right. humidity and what humidity is. Uh, but the truth is, like, we have to pass through water to receive life. So then you go, oh, well, that's really cool. Well, then you start working through scripture, whether it's the Israelites going through the Red Sea, that's passing through water. The Israelites going through the Jordan River, that's passing through water. Jesus being baptized in the Jordan River, that's the, the, that imagery there of I have been something. And in Jesus's case, it was just affirming who he was as opposed to right. making him a new version of himself. But I understand that I, I am this and I need to be this. And so there's something that needs to paint that picture. And I can't think of a better picture than this idea of baptism, yeah. of, of going into something that could potentially kill you. <laughs> and then as you come back out, you are representing this new life that you're a part of. Man, it's beautiful. It's a pretty cool concept. Yeah, raised back out with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. I- I, I love that. Uh, that just the imagery there is so cool because I think for us to walk in, in in our faith well to walk in a manner worthy of Christ really requires us understanding that there is a point at which the old died and the new came. And again, Paul keeps doing that here. And he's saying, listen, look at that. And he's the baptism picture. When we watch someone be baptized or or we are baptized in that immersion in, in, under the water and coming back out, is it's great because it gives that picture and it, and it helps us understand how things should be new. Now, we know that our life isn't 100% turned around from that point on. We still no. have to uh, work on what it means to live in our faith. But how, how cool to know that God made us alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. It's amazing. And I, it's one of those things you could just sit and think about for your whole life and still not quite come to the full conclusion, which maybe probably wouldn't be the best scenario, right? You should take it and understand what you can and then go live your life and do it well, as opposed to just sitting and pondering it forever. But 
Paul's a genius and what he's doing there and how he's painting the picture for us is absolutely. And it comes back to what you were saying a little bit ago, this idea that we've been buried with Christ and risen in a new way. We, we are new. We are a new creation. That's, that's mentioned in 1 Corinthians 5. That's mentioned in Galatians 2. So Paul's bringing this idea up over and over and over again. So then I'm not tied to one ideology. I'm not, I don't need to go back to the way things always were for me. I can realize that there's some gray where things might have seemed black and white before, I'm able to kind of realize, man, I I really should process this whole information. Oh, I love that argument you're bringing. Let me think that through and let me figure out a way to help make sense of that in the midst of the gospel. Not being captive, not being dragged away or, or, you know, choosing to obey empty deceit, but just to say, oh, that's a new thought I hadn't thought of. And yeah, I I do want to care for people this way or that, whether we're talking about, again, immigration or, or any of these other things that we deal with. So running with the, the baptism thing, you know, if we look at the different views on baptism, that helps helps us actually see another area where deceptive philosophies come in as it pertains to uh, baptism. Again, there's a, we're, we're baptized into faith. It's not a physical water thing, but, uh, but even the baptism itself that we practice, you know, that we saw with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And, right. and baptism is uh, what we call believer's baptism, and, and that's something based upon the faith that I have, I go and do. And then, but we have, again, some philosophies out there where you better go take your baby and baptize them right away. And it's sad when some of the those different philosophies and ideologies creep up even from churches, places where you would think you'd be getting safe information. But even in that realm, in that discussion, yeah. you know, we, t- we talked about the political things just only for the sake of just getting a, a framework of how different ideas work and how some can be debated, and, and but but Paul's talking about something so much more serious here. But but talk about a serious subject, the serious uh, subject of baptism. And you and I have run into people who yep. who think they're good because mom and dad took them as a baby, and and they were sprinkled with water. Therefore, they're good. They're going to heaven. Whatever you know. And what a what a tragic philosophy. Yeah, it really misses the point of what baptism is and what it's all about. And in, you know, in the first century, everyone who gets baptized is an adult because they come to faith as an adult and they get baptized instantaneously. It's a couple of centuries later when people think the world is going to end, that they start having their infants baptized to try to make sure that their kids are going to be with them forever, which I understand the heart behind it. Right. And I don't even disagree with them trying to get their kid into heaven. I Man, you know, looking at my two girls going, I I want to spend an eternity with them. That'll be great. But it's not my call to bring them into into heaven or into the kingdom. It's, it's, they have to make the decision itself. And so I I don't understand, you know, I don't disagree with the the heartbeat behind it or the mentality, but theologically it's, it's off. You know, it's, it's, it's an empty philosophy of I can save someone else. Uh, the Bible is pretty clear. You can't save anybody else. You're going to, you have access to uh, Christ and you have to make a decision. Are you in or are you out with him? And then he saves you, but he doesn't save your kids. He doesn't save your grandkids and he didn't save your grandparents. He didn't save your parents or anyone else in the line, you, meaning through you, you didn't personally save someone else. All you have to do is make the decision whether you believe Christ saved you or whether you don't. And if you believe that Christ saved you, then you follow him and baptize. But even the baptism is more of a symbol of what's already happened. And so we're pretty robust on that theologically. The Bible's really clear uh, what we're aiming for. And while we disagree with maybe some of the other philosophies out there, I, I hear the heartbeat, and but I think they're off partly for what we just said. It's, it's an idea of a believer saying, I, I'm in, go from there. I, I think it was Larry Norman. I'm not sure, but... Uh, oh, this will be good. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> he, he wrote a great song about a, a religious, a zealous religious person uh, dragging people down to the river and dunking them. And, you know, Chris, you and I are pretty big guys. We Between the two of us, we could probably dunk most anybody we We could want. baptize a lot we of people. We could dunk a lot of people. Man, we would just be saving people like crazy, and people would be like, oh, no, there's those guys that drag us down the river, run. Uh, but yeah, I think often when we are people of faith, we wish we could do anything to force people to faith, especially of a right. wayward child or a spouse of, uh, of someone who's not following after Jesus or whatever. We wish we could do it, but you got to understand God's powerful. Mm-hmm. He can do it, but he's the only one that can bring up people to faith. That's a good reminder. Yeah, and we have to be humble before him and let him save us, which is a crazier thing. Because uh, how many people have we worked with over the years who are just... No, I'm doing this because I'm going to save. Really, what they're saying is I'm going to save myself. Yeah. Oh, that's a huge empty philosophy. Like that's that's ridiculous. You can't save yourself. That's why. Otherwise, Jesus's sacrifice would have been completely worthless. So, and it's pride driven, isn't it? Very I mean, much so. It, Which I think sin is in general. Right. Right. Yeah. It's heartbreaking when I see some of the people that I knew who used to claim faith in Christ and don't anymore for reason. And so often it's just this pride driven, well, that's wrong. And it's, I can't, this about the Bible and those things. And it's, it's sad when that happens. Um, but God's power, he knows. I think we've uh, kind of covered a whole big gamut of things here, Chris, haven't we? We did. And it was good <laughs> and somewhat unexpected, but there is one more thing that we have to cover. Uh, first of all, this, this isn't what we were going to cover, but Pastor Larry stepped in for us to do this he sermon. He did. He did. What a blessing it is to have a former pastor and a former elder who's now retired with nothing better to do so that if people on staff get COVID, we can call him and say, can you preach for us this week? And he's able to jump in and do it. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm sure that that last minute call kind of stuff doesn't stress him out at all. No, so. it was easy for him. He didn't, <laughs> he had no problems. But the last one that I just want to talk about briefly is you know, verses 13 through 15 here, it says you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your heart. God made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This is what we were just talking about. You have a, a, a long list of things. It's sort of a legal, we've already been judged to be wrong. We need help. And Christ set it aside by nailing it to the cross. And then this great little verse that's just hidden in Colossians 2, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. And really, I'm only going to take a minute on this, but we, we talked about this briefly in Revelation. We talked about this briefly in other podcasts before. The idea that the world is, I don't want to say being run by, because I think God has ultimate authority, but he has allowed individuals to run with their free will and sort of run the show right now. And Paul uses the language of rulers and authorities over and over again. And it's not necessarily talking about Roman emperors as much as it's talking about whether it's demonic or otherwise, you know, the, the kingdom of Satan. There's a an authority over top of the whole world right now. And these individuals are kind of running the show. So back to that empty deceit or, you know, human philosophy idea. A lot of why that takes us captive is, it just, it's what we want because we ate the, the fruit way back in the beginning of the story. We, we don't trust God's word to be good and we'd rather have somebody else tell the story for us. And so when you start to think about these rulers and authorities, what Paul's saying here in sort of a, a big topic is all of the powers that sort of drive the system. So where you see greed and anger and, and power and might, and you go, this doesn't feel biblical. It's not, it's not the way it's supposed to be. And what Paul's saying is, this is so cool, and I'll end with this. He's saying 
that Christ surrendered himself to those rulers and authorities. Instead of coming down and doing a power play, instead of Jesus coming here and just boom, zapping everybody and making, Jesus could have done anything to show people his power. What he does as God in the flesh to show his power is he humbles himself to the rulers and authorities, allows them to kill him. But then upon them killing him, they think they've won the battle. But what he actually does is disarms all of their power. <laughs> so you you think you have strength and might and power. Uh, I'll let you put me on the cross. How's that sound? And they're like, that sounds awesome. And they go ahead and they do it. And they're like, yes, we won. And he's like, and death. That's one of your powers too. They're like, yeah, we love death. And and then he dies. And they're like, we victory, we won. And then he rises from the grave. And they're like, can we not defeat you? And he's like, no, you never really could. I have completely disarmed you. And it's that God that now calls us to not fall prey to the empty seat and the philosophy of this world. Mm-hmm. It is that power, the power that lives despite death that we now put our hope in, that we put our faith in, put our trust. And so we look forward to the day where our buried with baptism and risen with him means buried with death and once again alive with him forever in a glorified state that's totally different than what we understand right now. That's a beautiful thing. And, and Paul just drops these little concepts like as if they're not a big deal. You know, like he disarms the rulers and authorities yeah. and we're like, oh, okay. And then if you really read into what he's saying there, he's going, no, Christ conquered the world once and for all. And look at the contrast between the word he uses in eight captive yep. and the word triumphing in 15. That's a great contrast. It is. Are, are you a captive or are you triumphant in Christ? That's good. Uh, And Paul's pointing the way. He's saying, it's in Christ. The triumph is in Christ. The captivity is in the lives of the end. Amen. That's awesome. It's good to to close on that thought. So thanks again for listening. 